Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. So many things I want to say right now. So many things. They say, okay, I'll say this. They're all about the people, right? So they just got caught. Ken Paxton, Attorney General for the state of Texas, is now suing the federal government for trafficking children. The federal freaking government. I shouldn't say suing, investigating through their NGOs, trafficking children. In other words, what they do is go, you know what, if you saw the podcast last night from Project Veritas, I played a video that I've played before, where they basically tell a teenage girl, say this is your aunt. You know what, we need to, we need to not build bigger walls. We need to build big, bigger tables. Say the COVID-caving, weak-minded, spineless churches. No, in the end times, there will be lawlessness. Whenever there's lawlessness, it's the devil. It's not God. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. But that's what's happening at the southern border by the people who are allegedly full of compassion, who are all for the children. You know, you got a three-year-old child at the border that AOC's down bawling over. She would gleefully have butchered that child piece by bloody piece in the womb not three years before that. All you hear, all you hear when it comes from the federal government is bold-faced lies. And the church needs to don their black robes and call out their lies. Not be so loving that you ignore their lies and accommodate their lies. And that goes for any lies in your life. If your wife is a liar, tell her, you're a liar. If your husband or your child is a liar, point your finger at them and say, you're a liar. You're like, Tom, you never did that. Oh, yes, I did. My kids went through little bouts of things. You see them now, after I've spanked Satan out of them. You see the finished product. Norma hates when I talk about her, so I won't name who it is. But I had. I had one of my children when she was around three, and as my female child went through a bout of lying. Did you poop in your pants? No. What are you doing behind that door? Nothing. As I hear her grunting. Are you pooping? And what did I tell her? I said, you know what? Liars, I told you, you don't think I quote the, I quote the scriptures to them. 
In Revelation 21.8, all liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, and you'll never see your mother again. Ooh, yeah, all of you kind-hearted people, your kids are horrible. It's true, you all, that doesn't, that doesn't match up with the world's creed. I don't follow the world's creed. I preach the word instantly. I don't care if there are three. I don't care if there are 120. Word. Was what, was what I said a lie or was it true? Then you say it. Well, and, you know, where, where does Jesus say, you show me in the word? You know what? Make sure that you delineate the scriptures between and the King James, between various age groupings and whether or not they'll psychologically benefit from it. They said don't spank them during potty training. You know what I did? Spank them during potty training. Probably spanked them with poop in their pants. I like to sing. I like to dance, but I can't do it with poopy in my pants. <laughs> Hannah Montana, 1990-something. Until <laughs> we were watching during the potty training times. You're welcome. You young parents, don't be so kind that you usher your children through that kindness straight to a devil's hell. Preach the word. Now here's the thing, you know where people mess it up is they never can actually, this has nothing to do with the message. Man, I'm wasting all my time. This is the mistakes that people make. They never actually walk the balance of scripture. They go to their own religious extremes. Whether it's religious hyper-kindness or religious hyper-hardness. Well, if you're going to do things like what I just, what I talked about doing, then you also have to be the one who goes up to your child when you blow it and say, I lied. I failed. I sinned. If you do that, then you are expressing the gospel of Jesus Christ in its trueness, in its wholeness. But if you live the life of a hypocrite, and you tell your kids one thing and you live another. And I'm not even necessarily talking about sin. Then you will drive them away. When you blow that, blow it, you go to them in brokenness. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. And save as such as be of a contrite spirit. And you go to your children and say, I blew it. My kids will tell you, I've had to do that many times. When you have my personality and you haven't prayed like you should and studied like you should and carved off those rough edges, you better be a master of apology. Ooh, how quiet it is in here. People hate to apologize because pride goes before your own very destruction. If you blow it, go apologize. You know you're wrong. Got quiet in here. See, I mean, that's my gift. It's my gift. Make it quiet in rooms. What's so hard? 
I was wrong. I apologize. It's not redacted. It's not classified. I'm not pretending like it. You want, straight, you want to send your kids straight to hell? And I'm talking about those of you with adult kids. Pretend like nothing ever happened. Never deal with it. Send them straight to hell. Put it under the, put it under the rug instead of dealing with it and exposing it. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Does not come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. Expose them. Amen. Quiet in here. Boy, it's about to get really quiet because I'm about to shift into judgment now. We're leaving in one hour. That includes the altar call. We're leaving in one hour. This is it right now. Hone in. Today we're talking about judgment. Like I said, you're always, you know that you're always talking about the right thing whenever you're talking about the thing the world tells you not to talk about. Whenever you get a fact check, you know you're actually right. If you're talking about the thing that the modern, progressive, CCC, COVID-caving Christian church refuses to talk about, you know that you're talking about the right thing. And when they are collectively against, think about that, because how different is the modern, evangelical, allegedly born-again, COVID-caving church, how different are they from the world? They follow the world's orders. Mask, okay, shut down, okay, vax, okay. Whatever it may be, they'll just follow the orders of those who allegedly they're ideologically and theologically opposed to. Strange, isn't it? They can't stand the politics of the left. They vote for Trump. We're against all that. We're against abortion. We're against the World Economic Forum. We're against transgenderism. Can't stand they're trying to take our guns. But the very people who stand for all of those things tell us to take a metal rod and shove it into our bloodstream and the Christians go, okay. Or put a muzzle on your face. Okay. They mock you. You're supposed to be setting a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Not have them publicly mocking you. God should be mocking them through you. You're welcome. <laughs> and let me just start by telling you this. Judgment is a good thing. It's been stigmatized, therefore you know it's actually good. If the modern church and the world collectively together are against using that word. Now, we don't bring any judgment in this church. Okay, you're unbiblical. You're unbiblical. This will cause people to never come back. Because they honestly, many Christians would never ever let the Bible get in the way of what they believe. If I dare violate the Calvinists, because this prior was this, this church prior to us was the Calvinist church, so occasionally people come in thinking this is still that church. If I violate their Calvinism with the Bible, they choose the Calvinism. Because it's just too much of a, too much of a blow, too much impact, I can't take it. It ruins my whole life. Everything that I've done was a waste. I have a friend of mine, I'm not gonna mention his name, he probably wouldn't mind, but I'm, I wouldn't without his permission. But he actually said, he's called up his kids and said, I ruined your lives. 
Because I told you, all I preached to you when you were children was about eternal security. And his kids are good kids in the world where they're successful. But he's worried about their, their eternal destination because they're not living for the Lord. I ruined you. That's, that's what I'm talking about. I love that guy. Those kids have a chance because of him. He's not pretending like it never happened. He's not putting it under the rug. He's doing something about it. He's confronting his own error. He's allowing judgment to take place. Judgment is a good thing. Erroneous judgment is not. But if it's God, or if it's the Bible, it's good. Every time, and it's love. And we're still talking about the kingdom of God. Judgment is simply the installation of the kingdom of God. So all that it is, there is no the judgment. There's endless judgments. Judgment every day. Judgment sets everything in order. We need order. No, I just love to live by the seat of my pants. I just float around like a leaf. You're unbiblical. You need to read 2 Peter chapter 2, 16 and 17. You're a cloud that's carried by a tempest. There needs to be order. All of us crave it. You know you do. Even you slobs in the room. And you're talking about, a, you're looking at a reformed slob. When my wife met me, I shouldn't tell these stories. Uh, show of hands if I should tell it, raise your hand. Okay. When my wife met me, I was living in a trailer. 24 years old, I believe, 24 year old, deputy sheriff. And I was living, there's some other SO deputies in here, and they'll know what I'm talking about. I was living in one of those trailers on the school campus that you get for, at the time for 150 bucks a month. Three bedroom, two bath, nice. On the school, that's all you do. Why are you laughing already? <laughs> Me and my two cats. Now yes, I sound like a gay man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't. black friends too <laughs> so I'm living there with my two cats and I the two cats Louise and Lily and my wife and I started a date now the place was an abomination to humanity to say that I that I sifted the litter boxes like I should no now what my wife's discovery was, was this. She would come over at various times and like clean up or whatever, and she asked, when was the last time you washed your sheets? And I said, I've never washed them. <laughs> Norma's here, and my mother-in-law's right here. Honestly, when I moved, I moved out of my dad's house I took the sheets off, and I moved into another house, put the sheets back on. Moved out of that house, took the sheets off, moved to this house, put the sheets back on. It had been years, I don't know how many. 
<laughs> years. So my wife took them at the time. Were you living with your mom at the time? I think you're living with her mom. She brought them home. They washed my sheets in a public format along with my future mother-in-law. And how many times through? Three times through the washing machine. And was the water, what color was the water? Black. They were alone in there. There was nothing else in there but my sheets. And it was black. Now, during that time, even in the midst of that Slobovia, that's a, that's a country east of Ukraine. I'm kidding. People are looking up. I'm going to prove that he's wrong. It's a joke, moron. Finally going to get him. Yeah. But even, th even those of us who dwell in the valley of Slobovia, Like order. I used to eventually, my police car was utter disaster area. We would always get these, what we're called like general orders updates by paper before it all was computerized. And I would never read them and I'd put them on the floor and when I eventually spilled something on them, I threw them away. That was my system that I had in place. Utter, just a total slop. But whenever I actually cleaned my life up, it felt good. Because people like order. Even slobs like order. It actually feels good. Judgment sets everything in order. Sets it in order. Well, judgment isn't for the Christian. That's, that's what's preached in the churches today. We don't, we, it, it, it's either preached by omission or obfuscation. Well, you know, we're not, we're not here to judge you. Why? Spiritual man makes judgments about all things. I'll judge you. I won't judge your motives because only God knows your heart. But I can judge your actions and I can judge your words and I will. That's why nobody comes to me for counsel. Although it has met a major uptick tick in 2022. I don't know why. I must be presenting myself as being nicer. I need to go back. Because I will. I will. I will judge you. Why? Because I'm commanded to. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That's Jesus speaking, speaking to you and I. Judge, but judge with righteousness. You are to judge. And then a church, they'll start off a sermon. It's just like a, it's just like a conservative politician who loves to give himself credibility. I just want everybody to know that I'm vaccinated. Oh, lovely. And so that's what they, it's a, a pastor does the same thing from the pulpit. Just want everybody to know that we're not here to judge you. As if it gives them credibility. It may give you credibility with a worldly Christian, but not with one who reads the Bible. And if Jesus is the Bible, then what is a worldly Christian who's devoid of the Bible? Are they even Christian or Christian in a name only? A sino. Well, judgment isn't for the Christian. It says in 1 Peter 4, 17, that judgment begins with us. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And we're not here to judge you. What are you preaching? What are you preaching? See, this is, this, there needs to be a revolution inside the church. They're all empty anyway. You talk to pastors and preachers like Jonathan, Shuttlesworth, who travels the United States, they're empty. 
They're empty. 2,000 seat auditoriums with 157 people in it. You be not deceived. Judgment, reaping and sowing is judgment. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you plant in the daggum ground is coming up. That's in the hillbilly Bible. The hillbilly translation. The HT. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, you don't judge anybody. And it says in the Bible, this, the next verses are 4, 18 and 19. You don't say anything about judgment and it's hard for the righteous to be saved. Tom, they're already deemed righteous. I'm a Calvinist. That means they're heaven bound. They're eternally secure. That's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. It says that it's hard for the righteous to be saved. It's hard to endure unto the end. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're gonna have, nobody teaches you to fear the Lord. That's why some of you don't worship very well. You have no reverent or even horrid fear of the Lord. So you don't worship him because he's really not much above you. Really, he's not much above you. You have no fear of him. You've been taught that he's a bongo player with a tie-dye shirt on who accommodates and tolerates everything. You have no fear of the Lord. People are so unbiblical. People left this church when I started laying hands on people. What, 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 Christian, what, what form of Jesus are you following? Stir up the gift of God which is in you. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. What's the next verse? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And a church is laying hands on people and you leave according to your beliefs? Well, people fell out. It is hard for you to kick against the goads, isn't it? Where do you get that from? Acts chapter nine, verse five. What happened to Paul? Laid out, baby. At least everybody who gets up here, it comes out being able to see. He got, he got a nice long period of time without being able to see. He liked to kick against the goats, just like you're doing. You need to come up here. You need to run back to this church. You're already red-pilled anyway. You know you're sitting there right now. I'm, just, I'm showing them right now. I'm sitting in this church, and it's horrible, and I hate it, and I wish I could go back. But I got to show them. I got to show them. You're not showing me anything. You haven't altered my life at all. I'll go home today and do what I always do without you. El Primo's right down the road. Tommy goes there. Some wonderful person in the church gave me an El Primo gift card, so today's for free. So going to El Primo, I'll get my wings, my pizza, my large 64-ounce Slurpee, that I, none of which I do of my, on my own. I go home. And I just wait for it all to arrive as I sit there and eat fudge while I'm waiting. <laughs> Truth. And it's all brought to me, whether you attend this church or not. After I eat, then my mouth starts to drop open because I'm slowly but surely slipping into a comatose state. <laughs> I wake myself up snoring. <laughs> ah, what? Who, what, where? 
doesn't affect me at all. So get your butt back here. You're not going to be happy anywhere else. Some of you actually hated here, but you know what? You're like, but it's exciting to hate. At least you have some emotion in the church where you're at. Instead of being sedated, you have some emotion. It takes some, you actually have to exercise every Sunday because you have to force your wife to come. Do you hear the transphobic, homophobic, chauvinist preach? Yeah, I'm such a chauvinist. My wife is launching her own podcast. I'm such a chauvinist. So how could it not be for the Christian when it begins with us? How could judgment not be for us when it begins with us? Talk about the ultimate contradiction. Not only are you saying something is not for us, you're saying something's not for us that begins with us. We're first. First up is us. Now, but here's the thing. Who's the first to rise? I know you're afraid to answer. The dead in Christ. That's judgment. Yes, I receive it. It's all judgment. When God judges you as a believer, he sees no sin. They're as far as the east is from the west. It's still a judgment. Why do we run? We're not here to judge you. Okay, so you're not here to say the dead in Christ will rise first? Well, we're not judging anybody. See, you just, you just pull the life. You just pull the power out of the word of God. Making the word of God of no effect through your traditions. The tradition is, we don't preach judgment here. Look how full the building is. Great. Half of those people, or 90% or 80%, are going straight to hell. But you never preach judgment. None of it, the only thing that will stand is the word. The word of God magnified even above the name. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, right? His word is above that. And then you dare go to people, you dare say to a Christian congregation, oh, we're not here to judge you. We don't preach judgment here. Um, God's not mad at you. Look, 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 how, look, how, look how loving I look. Look how loving I sound. God's not mad at you. God, God's not against you. It could be. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that, despise, uh, that, uh, that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. Two of those are people that he despises. Two of them are people, not just things. God doesn't, God doesn't hate anybody. God doesn't despise anybody. You sure? Certainly not what the Bible says. Sorry if that blows everything up for you. But God is who he is, and if he thinks something or somebody is an abomination, then he's right. I played a video last night on the podcast. 
of a transgender guy marching around with his butt cheeks hanging out on the stage, and he boxed up giant prosthetic boobs, full nipples showing. He put them actually in a box. He's marching around. That's an abomination. He bent over, pulled his G-string aside, and showed everything to, his, to the people, and it was an all-ages drag show. That's an abomination. Judgment is coming his way, but it'll be different than the judgment that's coming your way. But it's all judgment, and to sit there and go, God's not judging you, is pulling the teeth out of the tiger. For the word of God is quick, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Why are you dulling the blade? That's why everybody couldn't grab their ankles any faster inside the church because they're an unbiblical, non-word church. Indistinguishable from the local Elks Lodge. Hebrews 12, 6, judgment isn't for the Christian. The Lord disciplines and corrects those he loves. It's from the Amplified. And he punishes every, every son whom he receives and welcomes into his heart. He punishes us? Uh, yeah. Or is he a good father? Is, we just sang the song. Is he a good father? Sang it last week. And before you run from judgment, let me give you this list. Blessing is judgment. You've been deemed worthy of blessing. Oh, we're, none of us are worthy. Liar! You've been made worthy. Rejoice in it. Sit in it. Marinate in it. You are now worthy. Reaping is judgment. Heaven is judgment. We're not about judgment. So you're not about heaven? Heaven's, heaven is a judgment. Acquittal is a judgment. Conviction is a judgment. It's your advantage that I go away. For when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. John 16, 8. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts. He doesn't condemn. Conviction is a judgment. Does anybody ever know what conviction means? When you, go, when you go to trial and you're sentenced to prison, what do they call you? A convict. He's all about judgment. Jesus is the only judge. We'll lay that groundwork in a minute. And then, the, of course, the great white throne Judgment is a judgment. Hell is a judgment. Acquittal is a judgment. Blessing is a judgment. Forgiveness is a judgment. So are you sure it's not for the Christian? That God doesn't judge you and that you shouldn't judge? When, are you not, when, when do you not judge? You know it if you've been coming to this church for a while. When you're doing the same things. You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge together, you are condemning yourself because you also do the same things. Romans 2.1. That's the only time you don't judge. Do you judge if you don't know? No. You know what you do when you don't know? I don't know. That's what you do. People come to me all the time. Hey, what should we do? I don't know. If I don't know, I don't know. What's the answer to this problem? I don't know. I have no idea, Tom, what am I called to do? I have no idea. 
Why don't you prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship and actually see, open up your heart, melt the unbelief, and God will tell you what you're called to do. I don't know. I don't judge like that. If you come up to me today and you launch with the F word, man, F and Tom, man, that was an F and good message. I'm gonna judge you. And then I, I dare say that in, the, in, in most churches, They'd be like, how dare, really, you're not supposed to do that? You, you have F-bombs going off in the foyer of your church and nobody judges it? Well, we just have people come up and kind of scurry them away. That's judgment. It's all lies. I can't stand the lies anymore. I mean, the lie, I mean lies to me are like walking in a room full of vomit. It's like, that stinks. Get me out of here. Sick of the lies. Sick of the obfuscations. I'm sick of the camouflage. Well, you know, we don't judge or anything. But All right, if you don't judge or anything, then I can stand up and speak in the middle of your service then, right? You're not going to judge. So you do actually judge. But you're a liar. I submit to no man. Right? You've heard me say this a couple times. I've heard a couple of people tell me that while I was a pastor. I submit to no man. Oh, really? Do you pay your taxes? And both of those who told me that were pulled over by cops and stopped. So you just don't submit to godly men. You don't submit to pastors. You don't submit inside the church. You make sure your submission is reserved for the world. Congratulations on that. Here's the infrastructure. Most Christians run from the word judgment. Most Christians, Christ-like people, Christ followers, run from the word judgment because they think it's judgmental. See how corrupt it is? It's so corrupt. But who's the judge? John 5, 27. There's only one. Everyone thinks they're going to stand before God, Father God. You need to understand the positions involved in the Trinity. It'll actually help you to melt unbelief. I'm not a word Nazi. You, like, you pray to Jesus. You pray to the Holy Ghost. Listen, God is accommodating. These three are one, 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear witness in heaven. These three are one. They're one. But if you want to melt unbelief, pray according to the word. Our Father, which art in heaven, you pray to the Father, and then you ask for whatever you're asking for through the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. That's how it works. That's how it works. Simple. Simple. But the judge is not the Holy Ghost. Didn't the Holy Ghost zap it, you know, zap it, do Ananias and Sapphira? Yeah. He can. But the judge, the only judge who operates in the capacity as judge is Jesus, the very Jesus that all the Christians allegedly follow that run from the word judgment. Judgment's a bad word. Why is Jesus qualified? Let me read you the verse first. First John, I mean, not first John, John 5, 27. And, he, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Because he is the son of man. 
Now, this is from Andrew Walmack. I stole it from him. Just bold-faced robbery. <laughs> stole it from him. Because I never, I never thought of it like this. I knew Jesus was a judge. I had that down. But what qualifies me? Like, he's Jesus. God's, listen, if you ever read about the construction of the temple, God is all about specificity. Specifics. So he says, he has given him, again, we're in John 5, 27, given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of a person. Jesus went by two names as far as son of. Son of God, which illustrated who he was in divinity, and then son of God, son of man, that showed who he was in a bodily form, encased in flesh. The, the, the Jesus encased in flesh is what gives him legitimacy in judgment. Why? Because he can say, I've been through what you've been through. Why is he so qualified? Hebrews 2.14. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, likewise shared in the same. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. He was the son of man. Surely he has borne our sorrows. You go back to Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The, the chastisement of our peace. He bore our sorrow, not just our sin. He bore our anxiousness. He paid the price for it all. He is able to say, I've been through everything you've been through. I was encased in flesh. I was tempted. You don't think he was tempted to lust? Jesus had to grow up just like you and me. He was 33 years old when he died. He went through his 20s with babes walking around him everywhere. He wasn't tempted? Sure he was. Word got out about who he was. You don't think women were going up to him? You could be as ugly as sin if you stroke a guitar. You sing decent? You don't, even, you don't even have to do those things. I've seen guys who are ugly as sin just have game. They have game. They don't care. They know how to talk. Women are all over them. I've seen men who are incredibly effeminate. I'm like, what's going on? I'm captain of the freaking football team. I got nothing. And the guy who's on the cheerleading squad couldn't have more dates. And he wasn't gay. So Jesus endured those things. To put it into modern day vernacular, he, he had the lingerie model catalog delivered to his house. And threw it away. Instead of like, well, you know. Just, I mean, you know, I just want to appreciate the beauty of women. So I hear Christian men say all the time, well, you can appreciate their beauty. You're an idiot. You're a dummy. Flee! 1 Timothy 6, 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things. 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Flee. Jesus fled. He wasn't like you and me. He's able to say, I did what needed to be done. I was encased in flesh. I felt the temptations. I felt the sorrow. I had moods, and I overcame them all. So now I can judge you. There is no other judge. None. Here it is. You've heard this preached many times in this church. John 5, 22 and 23. For the Father judgeth no man. What does that mean? The Jesus that all of these spineless, weak, non-judgmental Christians, the Jesus that they follow is the sole judge. He's judgmental. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment. All judgment. The Father, there's two very definitive words in there, no and all. For the Father judges no person, none, zero, zilch, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. Remember what I told you earlier. People struggle with worship because they don't understand who God is. That all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. People struggle to worship because they don't recognize Jesus as judge. He's barely above them if he's above them at all. God will meet you where you are. No, he doesn't. He does not. You meet him where he is. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father Father which has sent him. How do you honor Jesus and run from what he does and hate what he does? I'm a Christian. I just hate Jesus. I hate, we're not, think about it. This is what they're saying. When they say, you know, we're not judgmental here. We're We're not Jesus here. We're not Jesus followers here. That's what they are. Saying that's, what they, that's why they really aren't. So when you have all of their ideological and theological opponents come to them and tell them what to do, they're not following Jesus to begin with, so they gleefully do what they're told to do. No man can serve two masters. For either you will love the one and hate the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God in this world. That's why all the Christians are serving this world. You will hate one. You want to find some of the most detestable people on the planet, they're backslidden Christians still claiming to be Christians. They hate God. You know, yeah, you talk about healing and you talk about prosperity. They sound demonic. They'll never come out and say it, that they hate God, but they do. You ever seen the real negative Christians? All they do is badmouth Christians. Well, you know, you got the Christians, and they never tip anybody. They never, where, what Christians are you hanging around? Not the ones that attend this church. Not the ones that I know in this church. I couldn't get more stuff than I get at this church. You guys just throw stuff at me. I'm like, why? All I do is scream at you. I have presents all over my desk this morning. And which, by the way, I love it. I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not gonna find the names. All you'll get from me is a thank you. Not, oh, you know, you really shouldn't have. I'm like, yeah, you should have. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love you back. Yeah, there's people who hand me stuff out here. T-shirts, whatever. I'm like, thank you. 
My wife will always be like, no, oh, no, it's okay. I'm like, no. Hang the bags on my arms. How do, you, how do you follow and say you love somebody and you hate what he does? He's the sole judge and you hate judgment. But you call yourself a Christian. John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at the same chapter now where Jesus is the sole judge. And here's what Jesus does. Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation brought about by the Son of Man. That's him. That's why, you know, a lot of these really lukewarm churches, if they actually pan out into their crowd, they got, they have, they've trained their worship team. I might have to have Aaron at some point model it for you. They actually train their worship team to like do these two steps. Do all this stuff on the stage. And they, they keep the camera on the stage and it looks lively. You got the smoke and all that. It looks really lively with the, with the you know, disco balls and everything else going around. But if you actually pan out to the crowd, nobody reverences God. Nobody fears the Lord. Nobody thinks of Jesus as judge. So nobody's actually worshiping anybody. They're all standing there. That's all they're doing. It's true. How, how can you worship somebody you don't even know? Why would you worship somebody who's not above you? God's my judge. Therefore, I worship you, Lord. You're like, is that the, that's not the only reason I worship him according to his excellent greatness. I worship him in thankfulness. I worship him because I just love him for who he is. But you also, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of being smart. This is my next verse, Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. How would you get that wisdom without fear? If the fear of the Lord is the very root of wisdom, how would you ever have wisdom without the fear? We don't preach fear here. We don't, we don't preach judgment here. Then everybody's stupid. You've contend that you have condemned them all to be spiritual retards. Don't use the word retard, Tom. Why? How do you get the wisdom without the fear? Here's the fear right here. Ready? See, everyone thinks a lot of times you come out and you preach like I'm, I'm preaching a sort of well-rounded version of judgment. I am, but believe me, I am not avoiding. I actually have notes for it. I probably won't get it today, to it today. There's three realms of judgment you need to think about. There's the mark, there's for the backslidden, and the overall judgment. I'm not running from any of those things. If I have time, I'll get to them today to some extent. But with 11.51, and we're only going to be here for another hour and a half, I don't know if I'm going to get to it or not. Here's the fear. This is how you should think, right here. Do not fear, Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write this, write. 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Do not, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's who you fear, and that's the beginning of being smart. You should be afraid of hell-bound judgment. Nothing wrong with it. He's a good, good father, everybody sings, but they don't sing that part. How is he a good, good father? He's balanced. He sets things in order through judgment. Judgment through blessing. Judgment through cursing. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that, that shall he also reap. It's all judgment. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He will make sure that whatever you sow, you will reap. People think, and you always have to address these things inside the church. You think that when you're bad-mouthing somebody, you're destroying the person you're bad-mouthing. No, no, no. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows. That will he also reap. Not what they will reap. You will reap it. The friends that are separated will be you and the person that you're gossiping with. God does it. It's called judgment. Well, I don't want to live in that kind of fear. Well, then just don't get to know God. Because you shouldn't be gossiping to begin with. You should be afraid when you're gossiping. You should be afraid when you're fornicating. You should be afraid when you're staring at pornography. Well, I hope I don't stroke out in the middle of this because I'm five times vaccinated. You should be. Stand by. <laughs> Some of you wonder today, where is the justice? Struggling with that? Are you? Where is it? Where is it? God's coming. Be not deceived. And there's a whole lot more judgment that will take place on earth than you think. There's a whole, see, you don't know what, how people live their lives. Everybody today are all a bunch of projectionists. You ever notice how I don't put anything about my personal life outside of my dog on any, out on social media? I'm not doing it. You know, just enjoying a meal here today above a little wild wings. No. Everyone's just a projectionist. You don't know if they're living in abject misery at the home. You have no idea. You don't know if they're riddled with anxiety or depression. You have no idea. You, God is coming for all the people that you're concerned about. You know, God's coming for Fauci. God, God's coming for the NIH. God's coming for the FBI. All the liars, which by the way, just so you know, you need to memorize verses. Revelation 21.8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and the only, only sin with the three-letter word all in front of it, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. They're all, they've been lying. They lied again. They said two weeks. It's been 33 months. They're liars. God hasn't missed one lie. He's coming. He's coming. Now here is the Christ-like stance. I would rather them receive 
forgiveness than God's hell-bound judgment. Fauci, Hillary, Biden, I don't care who they are. I can name rhinos, McConnell. That make you feel better? He's really balanced. There's the thing. I don't listen. My thing is this, baby butchering. It's where the line is. I don't really, you want to be, hey, listen, if you're a socialist and you are pro-life, I will vote for you over a capitalist baby butcher. Because lives are way more important than governmental tendencies. And if you're wondering where is the judgment, where is the exposure? I want these people exposed. It's going to happen. It's going, it's already happening. It is percolating. It is under, it is under the surface. As Dan Bongino says, you can only hold that beach ball under the water for so long. It's coming. 40% increase in excess deaths. It's coming. Eventually, it'll just be as simple as, well, I know somebody. And once everybody knows somebody, which now I do, so where is the exposure? Where are the apologies? Where are the confessions? Where is the vengeance? Vengeance isn't ours. You okay with that? You better be, because you're sinning if you're not. Well, I just want everybody to know. I just want them to know I'm mad at them, so. Did I get them? Did I get them? You need a crowbar. And crowbar that thumb out of your mouth. It's your little baby doing that stuff. Vengeance doesn't belong to you. I'm just not going to speak to him anymore. That doesn't belong, that doesn't belong to you. Amen. I'm going to retract myself. I'm just going to pull back. Let me say this. Because you always, I, I love to deal with, because I've been in the church since 1987. I had the, the lovely beginning couple years where, I, where every Christian was perfect. It was called First Love. Revelation chapter 2. The church at Ephesus. I had, I had my first love experience. And then over time, you end up understanding that a lot of Christians are liars. A lot of Christians are frauds. A lot of Christians paint a picture of who they are and they really aren't, but that's just like the world. It's no different at the sheriff's office. People are people. And there's also, but the greatest people I've ever met in my life are believers, period. And it isn't close. So you, 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 you have that and you just kind of, you just have this revelation. And then you gotta, now you gotta get down and dirty. You gotta get down. So here, here's a great, this is something that all of you, when it comes to where it comes to vengeance, is what I'm talking about now, which belongs to the Lord, Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is his, not yours. Period. Period. I didn't say self-defense. I said, vengeance is not yours at all, ever. It's his. You need to pull back and say, you know what, that's God's business. Well, they hurt me, and I'm going to make, nope. I didn't say send them a Christmas card. I didn't say cast your pearls before the swine and let them hurt you again. I said, you know what? Vengeance is his. Not, you know what, I'm going to go slash their tires just to show them. You know, be like my neighbor who hates my dog. They got cats. He could victimize those cats. They can't get away. They're not fast enough. He goes, hey. And all I gotta do, all I gotta do to juice my dog is go, hey, go get him. Go get him. 
They're dead. They're dead. Dead. And nobody would even know. That's not mine. Can't stand the guy. But when I see him, I'm nice. I can't stand him. If he came knocking at my door at night and said, Tom, I need your help, I'd say, where do you want me to go? It's the truth. If I saw him on the side of the road broken down, I'd stop and help him. Period. Vengeance isn't mine. It's God's business. By doing that, I heap burning coals on his head. Romans 12, 20 through 21. Memorize the Bible. But you learn. Now, here's, here's something for everybody. What do you do when you're rejected in the church? It's going to happen right here. Look at me. It's going to happen. A lot of it's why a lot of you don't want to plug in. I hate to use the words of the modern church. Need you all to get plugged in. Oh, gosh. I'm going to plug a bullet through my head. But anyway. <laughs> what are you going to do when you're rejected here? Somebody says, you're not a good enough guitar player. Uh, you're not a good enough carpenter. Um, you're not a good enough Bible leader, Bible study leader. Um, you're not a good enough singer, whatever. Not a good, good enough, I'm just looking around the room, cameraman. We're missing one. Hello. I don't know if anybody's over there. Yes, you're it, Jordan. Hold the fort, brother, hold the fort. You, it's gonna happen. You're like, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say, Tom, because you're never rejected. What? What? People leave this church in droves. You know what that is? It's a personal repudiation of me, not Aaron. Nobody, everybody was like, you know, this, is the, this is the common statement. Well, the music was great. true you don't think i get rejected i do so what do you do when you're actually rejected vengeance isn't yours you're not allowed to leave god told you to be here so what do you do double down and serve harder you're that's just you're just doing that to be self-serving time as you need people to serve i don't need anything it's for you. I want you to tithe for you. I want you to learn to overcome being rejected for you. Otherwise, you will be cordoned off. You will never grow. You will never expand. You will stay right where you are. And if you're honest, you'll say, that's where I am right now. I'm 53, and I'm ostensibly the exact same person I was when I was 33, except I'm 40 pounds heavier. true you're like where do you get this from i've been in the church since 1987 since i was 18 years old i've seen it and most christians go nowhere because they get well i was rejected you know i asked to be on travis's security team and you know he, he asked me to stay awake for the whole service and i just i couldn't pull it off so he rejected me Double down. Say, you know what? I blew it as a security guy. Where's a mop? Yeah. 
You're like, you never did that. You guys, listen, I got saved when I was 18. I started youth pastoring at 36. 18 years, Pete's right there. 18 years later. 18 years. Pete, Pete knows all about me. I've had to, listen, I've had to bear my stripes. I've been rejected. I've failed over and over again. I've had Bible studies when nobody came. At this church that I ran. You see it now. I do something now and there's 100 people there. I've told you the story a dozen times before, but the very guy's name was Brett. He comes up to me, Brett says, you know what? Because he had a horrible marriage. He's like, which I've learned that now. I actually ask people, you want this group? Because you yourself, they want, people might want to lead a group that that's actually has something to do with what they're bad at. Well, I want to do a group about uh, finances. You're $100,000 in debt to credit cards. <laughs> no. But he tells me, you know, we need a young married couple group. I said, okay. Uh, and I, back then I was stupid. Well, okay. And I was already the youth pastor at this church. I was already the senior pastor at this church. And I was already, already the primary worship leader at this church. I'm like, okay. So I started, and he didn't come, ever. So don't, don't hand me, I've been rejected. Overcome it. Well, they, you know, they don't think I'm a good carpenter. You probably aren't. If everybody thinks it. You know how it works around here? It's just basically a consortium of people go and look at the work that's done. It's like, man, that's good. That's really good. Whatever it is, I'll just pick on Aaron. If Aaron does something, and he, I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, he's perfect. But I'm saying, if he doesn't, then we are just like, and I say, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't what we needed. You know, I'll give you an example. We had closed the podcast the other night, and they always got the closing thing that Aaron created and everything that closes the podcast. Like, what do you call it, Aaron, or the thing at the very end? Yeah, the outro. So we do the outro at the end, and I just cut the video, actually cut a video off with a guy standing there like this. No, it was a goat. It was a goat like this. That's how we ended the show instead of with the outro. I'm like, what happened to the outro? And Aaron just like, I forgot. Okay. Well, how many podcasts have we done now? A couple, 300 plus? 300 plus? Okay, that's the first time he's ever forgotten it. Okay, so, but he didn't say, well, you know, you're, you're rejecting me. You're, you're criticizing me. No. You, he just owned it. I forgot. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, if he does that 47 times in a row, he won't produce the podcast anymore. But you need to learn to overcome that stuff. You're, you will never go anywhere. It's actually judgment. God will bring his judgment upon you and keep you stationary until you are able to overcome rejection. Do you wonder why? You think this is all about you? We're almost done here. I didn't preach, I didn't preach a third. I didn't preach a third of this message. You wonder why this church was 150 to 200 for a decade plus? Vacillating back and forth. I know I've illustrated this to you a couple times. It's the common, actual deception of most pastors. They end up fluctuating in numbers and say they're growing the entire time. I did the same thing. Because when you're on the upper end, you're going, we're growing. But you, ever, you never actually judge. 
You don't go, okay, yeah, you know, we're 207 people. That, you know, we're growing, we're growing. Yeah, but you were 207 people five years ago, and you went back to 140. And then you grew to 170. Oh, we're growing, we're growing. Got the two, and the entire time for 10 years, you're actually judged stationary. Why was that? Why, why was I judged that way? You think it's all about you? I'm bringing it on to myself right now. Why was I judged that way? Because I couldn't handle rejection. That's why. Now I go home and I don't think about it. Back then, I was a social media stalker. What of that person who left the church? Where are they at? They'll, they'll put out the quintessential right after they leave the church. They go to their new church and they put out, join me today at whatever. Lukewarm Central Church, downtown Northport. That's where they always do. And I'd follow them. Oh, man. How dare them? Oh, what about this person? Oh, okay. How dare they? I'd be driving around in my police car all day. Boy, I wish they'd pull out in front of me right now. I'll find a traffic offense. Woo, hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm, I'm here to do a full vehicle inspection upon your, upon your car. Oh, hey, Pastor Tom. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> Just kidding. Never happened. Never will. <laughs> but you got to learn to overcome it or you'll live in the judgment of God. Amen? Amen. That's as much as I can preach it today. I'm not going to do any more. Everybody listen, close your eyes, bow your head, worship team, make your way. I'll just start it while that was horrible. I didn't give you guys any time, but just make your way. Do the best you can. You can do it in silence. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get right with God this morning, now is your time. Also, while we are in this attitude of prayer and while we're actually praying right now, you should be praying over people who need to get their lives right with God. A backslidden Christian or people who have never been saved, you need to be praying for them right now to raise their hand and respond to this altar call. And while we're doing this, you need to ready your heart to receive. I feel in my spirit to pray for deliverance this morning. If you need to be delivered, delivered doesn't mean that you're an addict. Doesn't mean that you're addicted to pornography or addicted to nicotine or addicted to alcohol or whatever. I'm not, you just need to be delivered. That could be healing. You need to be delivered from sickness, illness, disease, or infirmity. I feel the need to pray over deliverance today. It's 12-11. We will not be in this building past 12-20. Don't leave. Stay in the presence of God. If you need to get your life right with God, if you're a Christian, and I'm not talking about that you struggle with sin. You sin, you get it right. You sin, you get it right. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about those of you that have backslidden. You're living a lifestyle, a concession to sin a lifestyle of sin. If that's you, I'm talking to you because that state of affairs is a hell-bound state of affairs. Maybe you've never been saved. Maybe people think you're saved. Maybe you said a sinner's prayer one time, sort of out of religious obligation. Understand, it doesn't matter how young you are. Your days are not guaranteed unless you're living in the Word of God. Unless you've prayed for them to be guaranteed, they're not. And that's impossible if you're not in covenant with Jesus. Well, I just want to do other things right now. Your days are not guaranteed. And once you enter into eternity, there is no going back. That's not tolerant. That's not accommodating. Neither is the Bible. 
I stand in the word. If you need to get your life right with God today, don't worry. Well, Tom knows me, and now he's going to know. The man who is standing before you now is chief among sinners. I am a Romans 3.23 believer. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. It's all that I have, but it's everything. And I offer it to you this morning. If you need to get your life right, I'm not gonna ask you to do one other thing. You will not have to move. I will not ask you to do one other physical thing but this. Right where you're at, stretch your hand up in the air. Right where you're at. All over this room. Excellent. You can put them down. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this with you. Pray it. They're going to pray with you out loud. You pray it directly to God. And your sins are separated from you. Completely removed from you. As far as the east is from the west. And you are on your way to heaven and an abundant life on earth. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from you. I turn from them. And I now, let's do it again. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' name. Church shouts. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.